from the heart of our nation's capital, here's Family Research Council President Tony Perkins. Welcome to this Wednesday edition of Washington Watch. Coming up, the U.S. House of Representatives, they remain speakerless after Ohio Congressman Jim Jordan fell short in round two of his bid to become House Speaker. No person having received a majority, the whole number of votes cast by surname, a speaker has not been elected. That was acting Speaker Patrick McHenry earlier today. Tomorrow, could there be round three? We're going to talk with former Georgia Congressman, now president of FRC Action, Jody Heiss. He joins me later. And President Biden was in Israel today meeting with Israeli Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu and the Israeli War Cabinet. Now, in a joint appearance with President Biden, the Prime Minister addressed the outrage over the rocket that hit a hospital in Gaza yesterday, but said that the world's outrage should be directed at the terrorist, not Israel. Hamas is responsible and should be held accountable for all civilian casualties. We saw the cost of this terrible war crime yesterday when a rocket fired by a Palestinian terrorist misfired and landed on a Palestinian hospital. The entire world was rightfully outraged, but this outrage should be directed not at Israel, but at the terrorists. We'll get a live report from Jerusalem when CBN's Chris Mitchell joins us in just a moment. Well, in today, today in Israel, President Biden pledged to give another $100 million in aid to Gaza and the West Bank. The president said the money would be used for humanitarian efforts. Let me be clear. If Hamas diverts or steals the assistance... They will have demonstrated once again that they have no concern for the welfare of the Palestinian people. And it will end. Well, we can certainly trust them. These are the same people who butcher babies and torture innocent civilians. I'm sure that they're concerned about an audit by the Biden administration. Missouri Senator Josh Hawley joins us later for that conversation. And back on the effort to find a speaker, there are rumblings of a deal to give more power to acting Speaker Patrick McHenry. But there are some not-so-evident flaws in this plan. Former White House attorney Ken Kulkowski is here to explain that a little bit later. And make plans now to join us this coming Sunday night, October the 22nd, for a special Pray, Vote, Stand town hall meeting as we stand with and pray for Israel. We'll be hosted by Pastor Eric Estep at Village Church in Blythewood, South Carolina. Michelle Bachman, Lieutenant General Jerry Boykin, will join me along with Chad Conley of Faith Wins. For more information on how you can be a part of this special event, go to prayvotestand.org slash townhall. Our word for today comes from Ephesians chapter 3. For this reason I bow my knees to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, from whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named, that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with might through his Spirit in the inner man that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the width and the length and the depth and height, to know the love of Christ which passes knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. So out of the infinite riches of God, Paul prayed for these believers to have spiritual strength, to know that Jesus occupied their hearts by faith, rooted and grounded in love, a comprehension of the expansive love of Christ, which passes knowledge. We can't understand it. We can only experience it, which brings the fullness of God. To find out more about our journey through the Bible, go to frc.org Bible. 
Well, President Biden is on his way back to Washington after a day-long visit to Israel, where he met with Israeli Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu and his Ward Cabinet, and stated in a public address, quote, the terrorist will not win, end quote. The president's planned second stop on his Middle East tour, a summit with Arab leaders in Jordan, was abruptly canceled yesterday by Jordan's King Abdullah, possibly due to the now disproven claim by Hamas regarding the bombing of a Gaza hospital. Rocket exchanges are continuing on Israel's northern border as an invasion of Gaza in the south remains imminent. Joining us now live from Jerusalem to discuss this is CBN News Middle East Bureau Chief Chris Mitchell. Chris, welcome back to Washington Watch. Great to be with you, Tony. Thanks for staying up late. I know it's been a long day. Um, tell us about the events today with the president, uh, by, with President Biden being there with the War Cabinet. Well, that sort of was the focus of attention. Well, two things actually, uh, Tony: the the visit by President Biden, and also that uh, rocket attack last night that has since, as you said, been disproven. Uh, you know, the focus uh, was the meeting with uh, Biden and Benjamin Netanyahu. He also met with the War Cabinet. Uh, I don't think that's ever happened before. Uh, I think there was a mixed reaction from my perspective uh, and the people that I've talked to, Tony. First of all, uh, very excited about uh, the president coming, uh, but a little wary as well. Uh, what are the strings and what, have, uh, what, have, what is going on behind the scenes? There was a report yesterday by a mutual friend, Carolyn Glick, that, that maybe Anthony Blinken was really um, putting strings attached, attached to the munitions that Israel needs uh, to make sure that they can defeat Hamas. One of those is bunker-busting bombs for the underground, um, you know, tunnels, maybe 300 miles of tunnels, believe it or not, inside Gaza Strip. So they want to make sure that the U.S. is supporting them, but not putting too many strings on Israel to do what it feels like it needs to do to uh, to defeat Hamas. Uh, you know, Tony, uh, last Saturday I was in the, the kibbutz Be'eri. That was one of the kibbutzes overrun by Hamas. There are 1,100 people in that kibbutz. 100 were murdered, slaughtered, and that's where some of the horrific stories we've heard of uh, women, children, elderly being uh, being killed, as well as babies and even beheaded. Uh, so I think Israel, as somebody said to me that today, was 99.9% in it to win it. And uh, I think that's the mood of the Israeli people over here now. The, in terms of strings that the Biden administration may be putting on the supplies coming to Israel, what kind of strings are we looking at? Well, one thing I think is going to be the humanitarian aid that they talked about. And uh, I think at one time it was going to be, uh, you know, from Israel. But I, Israel's not going to do that after what happened on October 7th. That's one thing. Uh, and the other thing, I think, is make sure that as many uh, Gazans do get out of um, uh, harm's way, and that's Israel's doing what it can to uh, drop leaflets, to text people, call people to get them out of harm's way. I think the other thing, uh, which I think Egypt has done by now, is, is open the Rafah crossing for many Gazans uh, actually to leave. But, uh, but the concern is, uh, you know, are there any uh, restraints on Israel? They're, they're Pretty glad about and, and very satisfied that two carrier groups are going to be here and also perhaps as a deterrent to uh, to war with Hezbollah on the northern border. But there are some who are arguing that maybe Israel should preemptively strike Hezbollah 
because it re- represents a strategic threat far greater than Hamas on the southern border, maybe 10 times the strength of Hamas. Uh, talking about preemptive strikes, uh, Iran was saying that they may take a preemptive action against Israel if there is a ground invasion of Gaza the day before yesterday. President Biden did not make any mention of Iran in his public uh, remarks today. What, what is the latest with the threats from Iran? Well, that's what the foreign minister did say two days ago, that, uh, you know, if any ground inversion comes in, that they will uh, they will respond. Uh, you know, they have their own calculus to make, whether or not they do want to uh, go into a full-scale war, a regional war with uh, Israel, and the possibility that the U.S. would, would back them up. Um, so we'll see. And I, I did get a report not too long ago, but uh, I don't know how reliable it is right now. I'm just kind of vetting that out, but a possible uh, rockets coming from uh, some somewhere in Iraq with a thousand kilometer uh, range. But that remains to be seen. It's, it's quite the political uh, and geopolitical brinkmanship going on right now up in the north. Tony, it seems like Hezbollah is raising the threshold but may not want to go too far uh, to go with a direct conflict or a, a major escalation with, uh, with Israel. Chris, you've been on the ground there a long time in Israel, over two decades. What is your sense of the geopolitical environment right now globally? I mean, this seems to be a, an unprecedented moment. I agree. Uh, you know, what happened on October 7th really changed the whole paradigm, I think, and it changed uh, certainly for Israelis. And I think the whole geopolitical uh, landscape here in the Middle East is very unstable and very uncertain. And maybe that was one reason why the president wanted to come here. Uh, At the same time, I mean, you mentioned, you know, there's some uncertainty there on Capitol Hill. And, And if that can be stabilized, I think that would be an ad added, uh, would be an asset for Israel. But to your question, Tony, uh, geopolitically, it's very, very unstable. Uh, what will Iran do? What will Hezbollah do? Will Iran, will Israel attack, uh, you know, the ground incursion that, that seems, has been seeming intimate for days now? And, uh, you know, what involvement Russia may have or China? Uh, and Saudi Arabia, for that matter. I mean, we two weeks ago, Tony, we were talking about possible peace between Israel, right? Uh, you know, and the Saudi U.S. Arabia. And, and Saudi Arabia, and now, uh, and I think that was one of the intentions of this whole attack by Hamas was to disrupt that possible peace deal that would have been a game changer here in the Middle East. I mean, this seems like a um, unprecedented moment of biblical proportions. When you look at this, Chris, how how I mean, you're right there in the middle of it. I mean, you're reporting on it each and every day. You're tracking this. How should Christians be viewing this moment? How should we be praying into it? But how should we understand it according to what Jesus has warned us about and what Scripture tells us will eventually occur? Yeah, not too far from here on the Mount of Olives, about 2000 years ago, he told us what the signs of the times would be. There'd be wars and rumors of wars, nation rising up against uh, nation and earthquakes in various places. Uh, Not too long ago, I was in Morocco after a 6.8 earthquake and uh, back in early uh, February, 7.8 earthquake, I guess, in Turkey. Um, You know, I think he said, look out for your redemption draweth nigh. 
and I think that's one thing we need to do in the midst of all these. There also says in Psalm 122 to pray for the peace of Jerusalem. Uh, I think that's something we need to do. And, and, you know, the sons of Issachar in the book of Chronicles, they were the ones who understood the times and knew what Israel should do. So I think Christians should be informed. They should be educated. Uh, they should be prayed up and praised up. And, and I think uh, this is a time also to be standing with the Jewish people in Israel. Uh, you know, it. Some, I, I was listening to someone earlier uh, today, Tony, you know, it seems like Israel's the only only country that has a stopwatch on it when it needs to defend itself, and and that stopwatch is 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 ticking. And we 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 were in a place called Ofakim where we saw some uh, some fifty people were murdered there on October seventh. And in the last several decades, there were about fifty people that had been murdered in in all of that time. And uh, we talked to one. Uh, visiting. Uh, he had been born in Ophakim, but he was visiting. And he said, it's about 10 to 14 days before the Jews, they have the sympathy and then the clock seems to run out. Yeah. And so it, true. It's, it's, it's something that the uh, Israel has been facing maybe since 67 war, 73, 82, you know, all the way through its history. And here again, the clock is ticking. And, and at the very beginning, Tony, when we were starting to talk to people, they were saying, listen, and uh, 10 days or two weeks when the images change, when maybe people in uh, in Gaza, innocent people may be in harm's way, then then, then the right. whole narrative may change and the sympathy leaves uh, in Jewish people. And we've got to pray about that. And, and Chris, our clock is ticking. We're out of time. Thanks for joining us. We're praying for you and for Israel. Stick with us, folks. Christians must be sure to faithfully think about the issues that have taken our culture and many of our churches by storm from a biblical perspective. Family Research Council's David Clawson, along with co-authors Denny Burke and Colin Smothers, released a new book, Male and Female, He Created Them, a study on gender, sexuality, and marriage to help Christians better grasp the Bible's teaching about these issues. This study presents a biblical view of homosexuality, transgenderism, and marriage. With this new resource, readers will be given guidance on specific questions related to preferred pronouns, identity, intersex conditions, and other matters that our churches must be discipling their members to respond to with love and biblical conviction. As part of the study, readers have access to supplemental videos by Dr. Albert Moeller, Dr. Heath Lambert, Reverend H.B. Charles, Dr. Christopher Yuan, Dr. Rosaria Butterfield, and others that expand and elaborate the themes of each chapter. To purchase a copy, go to hecreatedthem.org. Today we find that global persecutions of Christians is growing more menacing every year. Family Research Council's Leela Gilbert, Ariel Del Turco, and Lieutenant General Jerry Boykin's book, Heroic Faith, shares personal stories from those who have endured religious persecution and gives a close look at the dire situations Christians often face due to dangerous and sometimes deadly opposition to their faith. The book's true stories of persistence and faithfulness amidst crisis offer inspiration and hope. Heroic Faith also provides insights into the ideologies driving the hostility and persecution, what steps the U.S. government might take to help, and how readers can best respond to the struggles of the faithful. It is critical for us to learn from our brothers and sisters who are suffering deeply and to do whatever we can to help. You can get your copy of Heroic Faith wherever books are sold or by going to frc.org slash heroic faith. Again, that's frc.org slash heroic faith. 
Men are constantly told that there is no place for their thoughts and concerns about abortion. However, this attitude ignores the fact that both women and men are deeply and personally affected by abortion. Furthermore, one does not have to be a woman to know that abortion ends the life of an innocent, unborn child. Every man has a role to play in protecting unborn lives and supporting the mothers in their families and greater community, which is why FRC's Center for Human Dignity has released a resource titled A Man's Guide to Standing for Life. This resource was created to help men positively address the topic of life. This guide will equip men with phrases to utilize or avoid, as well as practical tips for helping to protect life and the expectant mother or unborn child he knows. Every man has the opportunity to be an unborn baby's hero by stepping in to support a mother and speaking up for her child's life. Get this free guide at frc.org slash men to learn more about the important role men play in protecting unborn lives. Welcome back to Washington Watch. All right, folks, I need your help. We need to know where to put our efforts and our focus in expanding Washington Watch. So it's very helpful if you'd let me know how you watch or listen to Washington Watch. So you can uh, text the word poll to 67742, and I'll send you a list of the ways that you can uh, tune in. And then if you'll just check that, send it back to us, we'll uh, be able to focus in on the areas that people listen the most. Now, if if you uh, don't text, you can participate as well. I put a link to the poll in the resources section of TonyPerkins.com. So you can just go to TonyPerkins.com under resources for today's program. You'll see uh, a link where you can take the poll. So text the word poll to 67742 or go to TonyPerkins.com. Well, as I mentioned at the top of the program, the U.S. House of Representatives, um, well, they've reached day 16 without a Speaker of the House, which means they're unable to advance legislation supporting Israel or passing budget appropriation bills, uh, and we only have uh, until November the 17th before the current funding mechanism runs out. Now, Republican uh, nominee Congressman Jim Jordan failed to gain support in the second round of voting today. In fact, he uh, lost a uh, little ground today. Now, uh, just before I came in the studio and talking to various ones on Capitol Hill, it sounds like we're facing round three tomorrow where uh, Congressman Jordan will press his case once again. Joining me now to discuss this is former Congressman Jody Heiss from Georgia. He now serves as a senior vice president here at the Family Research Council and president of FRC Action. Jody, welcome back to Washington Watch. Tony, always great to be with you. Thanks for having me. And I forgot to mention, you're also the Friday host of Washington Watch. And honored to do so. So let's talk a little bit about... um, I want to take on some of the questions here. I mean, you you know the dynamics. I know the dynamics. There's a lot of dynamics here that people don't see outside of Washington, D.C. Um, and, and we can compare notes here. But from my conversation, I was on the Hill this morning uh, meeting with some members. And I have to say the House Republicans are deeply divided. And it appears like it's the division is only growing deeper each day. Uh, that they fail to get a speaker. Yeah, unfortunately, I think you're right. It's a crazy time. It's a sad time. Quite frankly, it's a frightening time for our country as uh, so many issues are happening globally, 
as well as right here in our own country. And Congress seems to be at a standstill, stuck in the mud, trying to figure out who's going to be the speaker, which has to be done before they're even capable of addressing some of these other problems. So this has become a major, major issue. And frankly, Tony, it seems the longer we wait, the more volatile the entire world is becoming. It is almost as though the the world is hanging by a thread while we're waiting on Congress to position themselves to be able to address some of these problems. So this is a, a critical time. It's a time I believe Christians need to be praying like never before uh, that uh, that the Lord would intervene and right. that our representatives would get unified. And that's one thing, frankly, that's been missing. I was supposed to be on the the uh, the Hill at noon today with the Republican Study Committee doing a devotional for them, but that was uh, canceled because of the vote for speaker. But there's not many calls collectively. Now, there's a lot of prayer groups, Bible study groups individually, but there's not been a call to prayer. Uh, and and I, I think that that unity that is missing and is elusive in part is some of the in part is because some of the tactics that are being used politically it, it's kind of like um, you know this is like the golden ring we're trying to, to to grab this ring and it's it's creating a lot of division among Republicans uh, on the hill and some of the tactics outside groups putting a lot of pressure on what is an inside decision doesn't seem to be sitting very well with some members. You're exactly right. And what that is creating is an environment of distrust. And so I think now is the time for us, the the body of Christ and organizations like FRC, to call Christians to pray. Uh, Congress is really in a bad way right now. And you're right. There are members of Congress who are praying, and that's good. But it's difficult right now for them to call on a body of believers there in Congress to, to because of the environment that's been created. There's just really distrustful. Hopefully they will get over that and hopefully they will still call on one another to pray and join in that regard. But whether they do or not, this is our hour. This is the the time for the church to have her finest hour and for us to step up and to pray and to call on God's intervention in behalf of our Congress, who right now are struggling. Let, let me take on a couple of things that have been brought up, I think some by the legacy media and then some by trying to create fear, is that either you get a Republican speaker or you're going to have the Democratic speaker. I mean, you're not going to get a Democratic speaker in this House. For, for someone, for a Republican to vote for a Democrat, I mean, would that not be the the end of their political career? Oh, there's no question it would be. You know, I, I guess theoretically that could happen, but realistically, that's not going to happen. You know, uh, so, some of the some of the options out there, uh, Jim Jordan, as you just mentioned, we're now going to have a third vote tomorrow. Perhaps option one, he can garnish the support and be able to pull this thing off. I, the more time goes by, the less likely that appears. Another option, McCarthy or Scalise come back. Again, I believe that's very unlikely. I think the most likely possibility is that a third party, a dark horse, someone who has not yet come forward, is going to come forward and will gain the support of uh, everyone in Congress. And I anticipate that likely is going to happen if Jim Jordan loses yet again tomorrow. I believe there will be a lot of pressure for him to pull out. At that point, we'll see... I don't know, a Mike Johnson and Kevin Hearn, someone else who 
uh, can pull the party together, come forward, and probably gather a lot of support. Well, and they're going to have to approach it with an understanding of the, the spiritual situation that the world is in, including right here in Washington, D.C. It's going to have to be someone who is um, spiritually in tune and has the eyes to see what is uh, truly happening. Uh, Jody Heiss, out of time. You know what that means. It means we've got to stop. But it's always great to talk with you, and I uh, look forward to seeing what you got to say on Friday. Thanks, Tony. Great to see you. All right, Jody Heiss, president of FRC Action, senior vice president here at the Family Research Council. All right, when we come back, uh, we're going to be joined by Ken Klukowski, former White House attorney, to address this issue. Another thing that's being kind of thrown out there is expanding the authority of the temporary speaker. But there's some flaws with that. We're going to talk about it next here on Washington Watch. Don't go away. Christians must be sure to faithfully think about the issues that have taken our culture and many of our churches by storm from a biblical perspective. Family Research Council's David Clawson, along with co-authors Denny Burke and Colin Smothers, released a new book, Male and Female, He Created Them, a study on gender, sexuality, and marriage to help Christians better grasp the Bible's teaching about these issues. This study presents a biblical view of homosexuality, transgenderism, and marriage. With this new resource, readers will be given guidance on specific questions related to preferred pronouns, identity, intersex conditions, and other matters that our churches must be discipling their members to respond to with love and biblical conviction. As part of the study, readers have access to supplemental videos by Dr. Albert Moeller, Dr. Heath Lambert, Reverend H.B. Charles, Dr. Christopher Yuan, Dr. Rosaria Butterfield, and others that expand and elaborate the themes of each chapter. To purchase a copy, go to hecreatedthem.org. Today we find that global persecutions of Christians is growing more menacing every year. Family Research Council's Leela Gilbert, Ariel Del Turco, and Lieutenant General Jerry Boykin's book, Heroic Faith, shares personal stories from those who have endured religious persecution and gives a close look at the dire situations Christians often face due to dangerous and sometimes deadly opposition to their faith. The book's true stories of persistence and faithfulness amidst crisis offer inspiration and hope. Heroic Faith also provides insights into the ideologies driving the hostility and persecution, what steps the U.S. government might take to help, and how readers can best respond to the struggles of the faithful. It is critical for us to learn from our brothers and sisters who are suffering deeply and to do whatever we can to help. You can get your copy of Heroic Faith wherever books are sold or by going to frc.org slash heroicfaith. Again, that's frc.org slash heroicfaith. This is Washington Watch. Good to have you with us on this uh, Wednesday. The website, TonyPerkins.com. By the way, a new resource out for you as we're in our two-year journey through the Bible. We have a seven-day study guide on the book of Ephesians, which we're actually in right now. And you can get a copy of this. Go to TonyPerkins.com and follow the links over or simply go to frc.org slash Ephesians. And you can uh, order your copy of the seven-day study of the book of Ephesians. With Jim Jordan of Ohio falling short a second time, there's a growing push for by some to expand the power and authority of the Speaker Pro Tem Patrick McHenry, which could lead the House uh, forward and pass legislation. 
Now, given the stakes with Israel at war and government funding set to expire next month, few wish to see a paralyzed Congress. But what precedent would this set? And would there are there rather some aspects of this that are not quite evident that could be a problem? Joining me now to discuss this and more, Ken Klukowski, former senior counsel in civil rights division of the U.S. Department of Justice and former special counsel in the White House Office of Management and Budget. He has also uh, litigated constitutional cases in the U.S. Supreme Court. Ken, welcome back to Washington Watch. Thanks so much for having me, Tony. So walk our viewers and listeners through what's being proposed as kind of a stopgap uh, approach to n- not having a speaker by expanding the authority of the speak- temporary speaker, Patrick McHenry. Uh, that's right. A, a handful of uh, of establishment Republicans uh, brought forth a measure uh, with uh, uh, Congressman uh, David Joyce of Ohio in the lead, where they said, in fact, let me take a quick step back. The, the position of speaker pro tem doesn't show up in uh, in the Constitution. But after 9-11, there was concerns about continuity of government in the event that there would be a massive terrorist strike in our nation's capital. What what happened if if the U.S. House became crippled due to a lack of leadership? And so they established the position of Speaker Pro Tem, who would have only the power to facilitate the process for electing a new speaker, and then could also handle minor administrative issues for the House as well, just just housekeeping duties. And so that position has been around for 20 years. And with the House currently without a leader, that's where uh, some members who have not been supporting uh, Ohio's Jim Jordan for speaker said, well, maybe we can just pass a resolution that would vest some or even all of the powers of the Speaker's office in uh, Patrick McHenry as President Pro Tem and just make him a full-fledged acting speaker for however many weeks or months it takes to actually elect a permanent speaker. So that's how this came about. So, but is there the authority to actually do that? Absolutely not. Uh, Now, under House rules, the House can uh, adopt rules to uh, uh, it, to manage its own affairs. However, whenever the U.S. Constitution speaks about some aspect of what the House or the Senate can do, uh, obviously the Constitution controls because it's the supreme law of the land. And Article 2, Section 1, Clause 6 of the Constitution says that if the office of president is vacant, if something happens to the president, and if something also happens to the vice president, that Congress can, by law, not by rule, but by law, can uh, pass a law saying who shall be the acting president until such time as a new president has been duly elected. And that would mean after the next presidential election. Congress did pass such a law. The most recent one was the Presidential Succession Act of 1947, which was also amended after we created the Department of Homeland Security. And under the Presidential Succession Act, it says after the president and the vice president, then comes the Speaker of the House, then the president pro tem of the Senate, and then the officers of the president's cabinet 
in order of how old their department is. So starting with the Secretary of State, which was the first department created by the first Congress, all the way up to the Secretary of Homeland Security. But the statute specifies the Speaker of the House. So the law says it has to be the duly elected Speaker to be in the presidential line of succession. So, so there would so be nothing the House can do by rule to right. the contrary. So if they put just having someone there temporarily, they would not be in line for the presidency. That's exactly right. So it means right now there are 18 people in the presidential line of succession, and only one of them is a Republican, and that's the Speaker of the House because the House is controlled at least <laughs> to some degree by Republicans. By taking the speakership out of the line, things would go from Vice President uh, Kamala Harris to Democrat Senator Patty Murray, uh, who's the president pro tem in the Senate, and then would go to Biden's cabinet, who, of course, are all Democrats who share his agenda. So this measure would take the GOP entirely out of the presidential line of succession. So bad idea. They should go ahead and uh, work to come up with a consensus candidate and select a speaker for the House of Representatives. Yeah, bad, bad idea to try doing an end run around the Constitution. Instead, Congress just needs to uh, properly elect a true Speaker of the House. And, of course, Jim Jordan is the Speaker designate who has been put forward by the majority party. All right, Ken Kulkowski, always great to see you. Thanks so much for uh, filling us in on this. Appreciate the insight. Appreciate it, Tony. Thank you. All right, Ken Kulkowski. All right, when we come back after the break, we're going to be joined by Senator Josh Hawley to discuss President Biden's aid package to the Palestinians and the potential ties to Hamas inside the United States. That's next, number one. Christians must be sure to faithfully think about the issues that have taken our culture and many of our churches by storm from a biblical perspective. Family Research Council's David Clawson, along with co-authors Denny Burke and Colin Smothers, released a new book, Male and Female, He Created Them, a study on gender, sexuality, and marriage to help Christians better grasp the Bible's teaching about these issues. This study presents a biblical view of homosexuality, transgenderism, and marriage. With this new resource, readers will be given guidance on specific questions related to preferred pronouns, identity, intersex conditions, and other matters that our churches must be discipling their members to respond to with love and biblical conviction. As part of the study, readers have access to supplemental videos by Dr. Albert Moeller, Dr. Heath Lambert, Reverend H.B. Charles, Dr. Christopher Yuan, Dr. Rosaria Butterfield, and others that expand and elaborate the themes of each chapter. To purchase a copy, go to hecreatedthem.org. Today we find that global persecutions of Christians is growing more menacing every year. Family Research Council's Leela Gilbert, Ariel Del Turco, and Lieutenant General Jerry Boykin's book, Heroic Faith, shares personal stories from those who have endured religious persecution and gives a close look at the dire situations Christians often face due to dangerous and sometimes deadly opposition to their faith. The book's true stories of persistence and faithfulness amidst crisis offer inspiration and hope. Heroic Faith also provides insights into the ideologies driving the hostility and persecution, what steps the U.S. government might take to help, and how readers can best respond to the struggles of the faithful. It is critical for us to learn from our brothers and sisters who are suffering deeply and to do whatever we can to help. 
You can get your copy of Heroic Faith wherever books are sold or by going to frc.org slash heroicfaith. Again, that's frc.org slash heroicfaith. Men are constantly told that there is no place for their thoughts and concerns about abortion. However, this attitude ignores the fact that both women and men are deeply and personally affected by abortion. Furthermore, one does not have to be a woman to know that abortion ends the life of an innocent, unborn child. Every man has a role to play in protecting unborn lives and supporting the mothers in their families and greater community, which is why FRC's Center for Human Dignity has released a resource titled A Man's Guide to Standing for Life. This resource was created to help men positively address the topic of life. This guide will equip men with phrases to utilize or avoid, as well as practical tips for helping to protect life and the expectant mother or unborn child he knows. Every man has the opportunity to be an unborn baby's hero by stepping in to support a mother and speaking up for her child's life. Get this free guide at frc.org slash men to learn more about the important role men play in protecting unborn lives. FRC, celebrating 40 years with Michelle Bachman. I'm so grateful for the involvement that I've been blessed to be a part of really for decades now with the Family Research Council. And it's a highly credible organization, and it's really just a tremendous honor to advance the kingdom of God through this organization. Well, that was Michelle Bachman. The actual, she's the actually she's the chair now of the Family Research Council, former congresswoman from Minnesota, and she's going to be joining me this coming Sunday night, the twenty second of October, as we have a special night, a special town hall meeting. Stand with and pray for Israel. That's going to be at six p.m. Eastern time at um, Village Church in Blythewood, South Carolina. You can find out more about how you can be a part of that. Go to prayboatstand.org slash townhall to join us for that special prayer event as we stand with Israel this coming Sunday night. Earlier today, President Biden announced the U.S. will send $100 million in humanitarian aid to Palestinians in Gaza and the West Bank, even as more than 100 hostages, including American citizens, are being held captive by Hamas in Gaza. The president claims that the aid will be directed towards civilians only and will cease if it is diverted by Hamas. Now, these people have shown absolutely no regard for human life. Can we really trust that this will go to the civilians that Israel is encouraging to leave? Join me now to discuss this and much more. Senator Josh Hawley from Missouri. He serves on four Senate committees, including the Senate Homeland Security Committee and the Senate Judiciary Committee. He joins us by phone. Senator, welcome back to Washington Watch. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. So, Senator, I want to start first with your reaction to President Biden's aid package to the Palestinians in Gaza and the West Bank. Well, I I think it's a mistake because I can't understand how he's going to ensure that that money, Tony, along with anything else, I mean, any tangible goods, won't immediately go to the combatants. I mean, listen, this is the same administration that has been giving hundreds of millions of dollars of taxpayer money to the Palestinian leadership for the last three years. And look how that has worked out. I mean, this is a deeply corrupt Palestinian leadership there in Gaza. I don't trust them at all. And I haven't heard a word from the administration 
about how they're going to ensure that this money actually goes to people in need and not to terrorists. I mean, part of the concern, and I think that Israel has pressed this case, that the the supplies going in will be checked to make sure it is, in fact, humanitarian supplies. But no mention of Hamas releasing the hostages that they're holding. Why, if, if, if you want to help your people out, help our people out. Let them go. Well, that absolutely should be a condition that includes, as you pointed out, multiple Americans who are being held hostage. And I just think that, listen, it is it is very unwise, and it adds to the numerous, numerous idiocies, frankly, that this administration has pursued by helping these terrorists. And I'm thinking in particular of the $6 billion to Iran. I mean, that turns out, Tony, to be one of the most idiotic decisions by an American president in recent memory. And this guy has a lot of those. I mean, we could talk about the chaos in Afghanistan and just go down the list. But $6 billion made available to Iran at exactly the time that Hamas was planning this terrorist attack on Israel and this hostage taking. I mean, multiple Americans have died now. I think it's 30, 31 Americans have been killed, including from my home state of Missouri. I just think the Biden administration's policy has been a disaster, a total disaster, and I don't trust them to do the right thing here. I I don't think I had the clip. I played it yesterday. But this past weekend here in in Washington, President Biden was speaking at the uh, HRC's annual uh, dinner. That's the largest LGBTQ advocacy group in in America. And and he, he was boasting about how his foreign policy, one of the top priorities was promoting the LGBTQ agenda. And I mean, you look at the world, I mean, it's it looks like it's spinning out of control. When America l- focuses on the wrong things and leads in the wrong way, the rest of the world suffers. Yeah, that, that says everything. I, I'm sure the president was telling the truth about that, Tony. I mean, the truth is he is focused on trying to get biological men into women's bathrooms and into women's locker rooms and playing world uh, women's sports all around the world, not just in America, but that's his priority, not keeping America safe. And now we are paying the price for that. Speaking of uh, that LGBTQ agenda, I want to go to that for a moment because you, I think it was yesterday, you had an exchange with the NCAA president, Charlie Baker, at a Senate Judiciary Committee committee. I mean, he tiptoed around the NCAA policies for men competing with women or changing in women's locker rooms. I mean, this is the governing body of collegiate sports. Don't don't they have some kind of priority? Isn't there some kind of a focus on protecting women? Well, first of all, it's the NCAA who forced women, including Riley Gaines, at the national championship for swimming, forced the women to have men in their locker room to change in front of the men, in this case, a man, Leah Thomas. And yet the NCAA has not apologized. They didn't ask for their consent, Tony, by the way. They didn't even inform the women. They just said, oh, here, you have to accept this. You have to change in front of this biological male. And now the NCAA president won't meet with Riley Gaines, won't even respond to her letter, won't issue an apology. So I want to know, what is the NCAA's policy now? Are they still forcing women in whatever sport to have men in their locker rooms, let alone playing their sports? I couldn't get a straight answer, but we're going to try again. I wrote today to the NCAA president. I said, here's your chance to level with us and tell us the facts. Are you still forcing these women to accept female athletes, to accept men in their locker rooms. It's outrageous. 
I, I, I watched the hearing, and in fact, I have a clip of it, and I, quite frankly, I just could not, um, I couldn't figure out what he was saying. I'm going to play, play clip number 11. I'm not going to defend what happened in 2022. Um, I wasn't there. I was still governor of the Commonwealth. What I will say is we have very specific rules and standards around the safety and security of all our student athletes and anyone who hosts one of our national championships has to know, has to accept that they know what they are and then abide by them accordingly. But and, and does that include female athletes having to share locker rooms with biological males not being warned or consent? Do they are they asked for their consent? I don't believe that. Um, I don't believe that policy uh, would be the policy we would use today. So, Senator, what was he saying? I, I have no idea what he's saying. I couldn't tell then. I can't tell now. My guess is he doesn't know what he's saying. He's just waving his hand to try to change the subject. But really, I mean, fund these universities deserve an answer. The athletes who make so much money for the NCAA deserve an answer. Parents deserve an answer, Tony, and I'm going to get one. Speaking of college campuses, uh, we've seen um, this connection. It's, 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 it's very concerning. A lot of Americans are concerned. These terrorist attacks, uh, October the 7th, on our ally Israel. And now we have student groups here in the United States that are celebrating Hamas attacking Israel, anti-Semitic groups all across America on college campuses. Now, you've actually introduced a resolution uh, that speaks to this. What it says is that the Senate condemns this anti-Israel, anti-Semitic, pro-jihadist rhetoric that is coming from all of these student groups on American campuses. And I can't believe, Tony, that American university leaders won't step up and condemn this. We need to speak with moral clarity. What is happening to is is evil. Are you concerned that there are some direct connections between these groups on college campuses and terrorist groups like Hamas? I sure am, and, and that's why I've asked the Department of Justice to investigate the money. Where is the funding for these so-called student groups coming from? Is it coming from terrorist groups? Or are these student groups collecting money and sending it to terrorist groups? That's illegal. I think we deserve to know, given the extraordinary pro-violence, pro-genocide rhetoric that is coming out of these groups on these campuses. What's the relationship here, do you think, to the southern border, the porous border where we have uh, you know, literally millions coming across, uh, over a million and a half, almost two million gotaways who are, who are not wanting to get caught, not wanting to turn themselves in, but rather wanting to get into the country undetected. We know that there are terrorists that are coming across that border. Is there a soft invasion underway in America? There is an absolute security threat of the first order to Americans on that southern border. And with this environment now, with the terrorism going on in the Middle East, with the the kind of terrorist rhetoric that we're seeing in our own soil, on our own campuses, the idea that our southern border is totally open, that you have people already, Tony, record high numbers of people who have links to the terrorist database have crossed over the border. And those are the ones we know about. Just think about the number who've gotten away. So it is a huge security threat. We have got to shut down that border. We've got to secure it. 
And we've just got to start sending people home. The idea that we'd let these folks into this country and just hope for the best is crazy, and it is dangerous. So is there, given what's happened with Israel, and in Israel, for the most part, there is still bipartisan support in defending Israel. Uh, I had Chris Mitchell on the program uh, top of the hour live from Jerusalem, and, and he talked about Israel seems to have a stopwatch, and it's true. There's global sympathy for a while for Israel, but it runs out, and uh, and that bipartisan support at some point runs out. But is there an understanding that what happened in Israel could happen here because of that porous border, because of the failed immigration policy that we have under the Biden administration? So is there a renewed sense across the aisle that we need to address national security? Oh, I'm afraid not. No, I'm, I don't think there is a sense across the aisle. And I think the Biden administration wants to deny the reality, which is that they have opened the border. This isn't some some random act, a natural disaster. No, they have done it by their policies. They've opened that border up to terrorists. They've opened the border up to members of the Chinese Communist Party who've also crossed. They've opened it up to drug runners, human traffickers, child traffickers. And all of these people are entering our country, building networks in our country. Tony, it is an, it is an incredible security threat and also a moral travesty what is happening on our border. And the fact the Biden administration is carrying it out, I emphasize these are their policies to change. And this is something Republicans in Congress have to insist that we're not going to keep funding right. this clear and present danger on the border. Yeah, I was very disappointed in the last uh, funding mechanism. Originally, there had been a proposal in the House that would have addressed the border as well as reduced spending, and that didn't uh, didn't make it. Hopefully, this next time around, it will. Senator Josh Hawley, before we uh, before we wrap up here and, and let you go, I mean, we've talked about a lot of heavy things today, and, and, and the world is is really reeling from lack of leadership. And it all a lot of that points back to the United States. But as believers. The scripture tells us we're to be anxious for nothing, but by prayer, with supplication, with thanksgiving, let our requests be made known unto God. As you sit right here in our nation's capital, you're a part of these discussions. You know what the nation is facing. You know what is happening in the world. What would you share with our viewers and listeners, believers across this country, about the significance of this moment and what we should be doing? Well, You know, we are instructed as believers to pray for the peace of Jerusalem. And I think that, Tony, that means to pray for the security, to pray for the prosperity. Of course, we always want to pray as as believers for the safety of the gospel and and the ability of people to respond to God's call on their life uh, through freedom of worship all over the world, not just in our own country. So I think these the current crisis in the Middle East, I think, should bring home to us the significance of the hour that we live in. We really do live in an inflection point moment in history. And that's really something to be thankful for in the sense that the Lord has entrusted us with this and this hour, and he's asked us to stand strong for him in this hour, no matter what the cost is, and to witness boldly uh, for him and to the truth uh, that is in him and in Jesus Christ. And so I just think that this it's our privilege to do that. And now it's our privilege to to stand with our Israeli brothers and sisters, our Jewish brothers and sisters, to pray for them, to support them, to speak for religious liberty all across this country and the world. 
and to continue to say that in the face of danger, we have hope and confidence because we know how the story ends. And so we are not afraid. That's right. And, and, and we must have the confidence and the peace of mind and of heart in this moment so that we can share the way with others. Senator Josh Holly, always great to talk with you. Thanks so much for uh, joining us today. Thank you for having me. All right, Senator Josh Hawley of Missouri. You know, we, we have been entrusted with this moment. What will we do with it? Really, what will we do with it? Will we be fearful and anxious like the rest of the world? Or will we do as we're instructed to do, pray? Pray for our leaders. We need to be, you, you've, you've got a lot of prayer points from today's program. We need to be praying for Congress. We need to be praying for the Republicans in the House that they would uh, come together around a consensus candidate who understands the times and knows what to do. We need to be praying for Israel, for the peace of Jerusalem, for the protection of those people, and and praying for our brothers and sisters in Palestine, the, the, the Palestinians, Christians. We need to be praying for them, too, that they would have a way out and that evil would be exposed and neutralized. All right, folks. That's all for today. Thanks so much for uh, joining us again. Uh, Lord willing, tune in again tomorrow. We'll be back with the latest. And mark your calendars for this coming Sunday for our special Pray, Vote, Stand town hall meeting as we pray for and stand with Israel. To find out more, go to TonyPerkins.com. Until next time, I leave you once again with the encouraging words of the Apostle Paul, found in Ephesians 6, where he says, When you've done everything you can do, when you've prayed, when you've prepared, and when you have taken your stand, By all means, keep standing. Washington Watch with Tony Perkins is brought to you by Family Research Council and is entirely listener-supported. Portions of the show discussing candidates are brought to you by Family Research Council Action. For more information on anything you've heard today or to find out how you can partner with us in our ongoing efforts to promote faith, family, and freedom, visit TonyPerkins.com. Also, to leave a comment about Washington Watch, call our watch line at 1-866-372-7234. That's 1-866-372-7234.